Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Well, if I were going to get a tattoo today, I think it would say Deus Pronobus. The main reason I've never gotten a tattoo is because I have changed my mind so many times as to what it would, what it would say. I nearly got a tattoo actually in 2009 when my oldest son Brian and I completed the Columbus Marathon and I was going to have 26.2 tattooed to my calf, but I couldn't figure out what kind of artwork to go with it and so while I was making up my mind, I lost interest in both the tattoo and in running actually, so (laughs) well never mind that. Uh, A couple of years later, my youngest son Brad, he had a dream where he and I were together doing this thing or another. I don't even remember what we were doing. But he said we both had tattoos on our shoulders, and it was a tattoo of a cross emblazoned with the words, already dead. And I thought that was pretty cool. And he thought that was pretty cool. And we said, we should get those tattoos, right? And as we were talking about it over the months ahead, we got distracted by important things, and we didn't do it. Just the summer before last, my second son, Bruce, and my youngest son, Brad, and I, we pedaled our bicycles from Lake Erie in Cleveland all the way across Ohio to the Cincinnati River in uh, the Ohio River in Cincinnati. And so for a a fleeting moment, I thought, well, I should have 326 tattooed on my body somewhere because that's the number of miles that we pedaled our our bikes. But instead, I bought a $4 tattoo and put it on, or $4 sticker and put it on my truck. So... I, there are a few times that I've been really close to getting a tattoo, but uh, I think the reason I've never gotten one is because I don't really want one. It's possible. And uh, I don't care if you have tattoos or dozens of tattoos, really, but I just figure, why should I spoil this perfect body that God has <laughs> blessed me with, with a tattoo, Right? But if I was going to get one today, it would definitely say Deus Pronobus, which is part of an ancient saying that early believers used to say to one another, and it means God is for us. And the full statement is, Si Deus Pronobus quis contra nos, which brings us to the attribute of God I'd like to briefly address for your edification this morning, and the attribute is the providence of God. Let's pray again. Lord, we invite you to come in your power, in your presence. Nobody came to hear me, Lord. I didn't come to hear me. It's you that we seek. It's your voice. It's your word. It's it's your Bible delivered to us by your spirit that we long for. That's oxygen to our souls, Lord. So we invite you to come and be the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thus far in our still unnamed summer series on the attributes of God, we've talked about such things as uh, God's goodness, his faithfulness, his omniscience, his glory, his sovereignty. And these are all attributes of God or qualities of his identity that have been revealed to us in the, really deeply in the deeper places uh, in the Bible. And today I'd like for us to just think for a few minutes carefully about the providence of God doesn't come up a lot in conversation, but the providence of God, by that we mean it's the attribute of God that causes him to carry, both do two things, carry out his perfect will as sovereign God and 
to, at the same time to provide for us every single thing we would ever need to accomplish his will as we obey his voice. So the word providence comes from two words, and you can see them, pro, which, um, you know, in this case really means to, 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 um, to ahead. To, it can, pro can mean a variety of things as a prefix, but in this case it means ahead. And the other part of the word is videre, which is a Latin word from which we get our word video, so to see. And so providence, as a word, means that God sees ahead. So God has a will for your life, yes? God has a will for the earth. You as a believer are drawn in to being obedient to the voice of God, the word of God, as he stirs you. And as you are drawn in to the accomplishment of God's will, then God sees ahead of you and he provides everything you will ever need to accomplish his will as you walk that out. And that's the providence, that's what we mean by the providence of God. And I think the providence of God is kind of an amazing blend of God's sovereignty and his faithfulness. And by that I mean the providence of God flows from the fact that he's sovereign, that he's in control, as we talked about, I think it was last time. Was that last week? It seems like longer ago. Last time we talked about the sovereignty of God and that God is in absolute control of all things at all times. Yes, we have a certain amount of free will within the limits of God's sovereignty, but God is in control. And so the providence of God says God is in control, but as he acts out his will, we also see his faithfulness come. That he would never ask you, Jeremy, to follow him in a place that he wasn't going to provide for. So you can see the word provide in the word providence, can't you? And so it's a blend of those two things. It's, what's, it's what John Piper calls the applied sovereignty of God. Okay? And it's by the providence of God that you guys can always say yes to the call of God on your life. You can always answer yes to however it is that God is calling you because he will provide exactly what you need exactly when you need it. You know, Bruce, you guys just recently went through this whole thing, and God was calling you and calling you and calling you to begin your own business. And you had to step out of the safety of a paycheck, right? Stop me when I'm wrong, and follow this, this voice of God. And you, you really believe, and I believe with you, that it was God calling you. And, and, and now you're in a state where the providence of God is particularly important, right? Because, because the thing has to happen at a certain time. And, and if you notice that when you really trust God and following him this way, God is seldom early. He's, he seldom provides stuff early. I'm going to send you this because you're going to need it later. That hardly ever happens, right? The providence of God is you follow me and I will provide for you at the time that you need it. And so you can always say yes to God. You can always say yes to the stirring of God, even if you can't figure out the details. I mean, how many times has a student said, I, you know, I want to become a pastor, I want to become a missionary, I want to become X, Y, I want to become an underwater basket weaver for God, whatever. They had this sense of calling, but they didn't know how they were going to come up with a tuition. And so they held back, and they held back, and maybe next year, and maybe next year, and maybe next year. And they just maybe next year through their whole life. 
because they couldn't figure out the details. The, the providence of God calls us to trust God for the details. Does that make sense? You've been called to do stuff you didn't know how to do. Some of you have been on mission trips with us where you just went to the, I don't know how I'm going to do what I'm going to be called to do when I get there, but I'm just going to go. And you went, and was God faithful? God was absolutely faithful. Some people say, well, I feel like I'm called to Bolivia or someplace, but I don't have money for a plane ticket. You know, there are stories of people who have literally shown up at the airport, and God has provided the way for them to go. This is the providence of God, that God has a will, a sovereign will, a will to work out his love on the world and Barry, you're a part of it, man. You're a part of God's will. Aren't you glad you sat right up front where I can pick on you? Man, <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. You know, you're part of God's will. He has a plan. And so the stirrings you give, brother, are, are those promptings of God saying, this is what I have planned for you to fulfill this piece of my will. And we all get those stirrings. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know that you do. You get those stirrings. And it could be, Man, do I, could, I, could I survive a quarter in children's ministry? Do I have the patience to be involved in student ministry? What, what could, and in, in any case, you're called to something and you hold back because you can't figure out the details or the resources. The providence of God says, move your feet. Step forward and I will provide for you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 in the New Testament. And while you're turning there, the context of this, as many of you may already know, is this is one of the letters that was written by the Apostle Paul who had a major turnaround in his life because of Jesus. And uh, he's writing to believers in Rome, which was... A terribly, terribly dangerous place to be a Christian. And uh, to be publicly baptized in Rome, to make a public confession of faith, uh, it, during this time, practically guaranteed physical persecution, if not death. And so this is the context that he writes this to, and, and some of this will, will become stunning to you as you consider the context. But it talks about the providence of God in a way. Romans 8, verse 31 what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you think about that, church? Yeah. 
Circle back to verses 31 and 32. So we just uh, focus a little more on the providence of God, and we know, so as we read that, if God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> That's where the providence of God begins. That it's all sewn up, man. It's all sewn up. That not only is God going to accomplish his sovereign will, but because he's for us, he's going to provide everything along the way. If you look at verse 31 with me again, that's where it says, si deus pronobus quis contra nos, which means, which is the Latin translation for, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's a great question, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it begins with a clear understanding. The providence of God begins with a clear understanding that as sincere followers of Jesus Christ, we are not only now on God's side, but God is on our side. You get that? We didn't just come over to God's side of the equation, but God came to us. And God, and the Bible says that God is now for us. And this is where the providence of God begins. And from that we know that since God is pro us, Deus pro nobis. Would you like to say Deus pro nobis? Would you like to get a tattoo with me this afternoon? Thinking about it. Deus pro nobis. God for us. Then not only shall nothing ever prevail against us. Why? Because God is for us. We will be opposed, but nothing will prevail. But not only will, not only will by God's providence, nothing ever truly prevail against us, but that God will give us all things that we need to accomplish his will. This passage gives two specific examples of God's faithful provision to us. And the first is that it clearly says that because of the providence of God, I love this, that our salvation, I love this, I like to say it this way, is prepaid. Look at verse 32. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And then he goes on to tell us that Jesus Christ, who gave his life, rose from the dead, ascended to the Father, is, is in a very real sense continuing to intercede for our sins. Now Jesus is not still on the cross. I object to presentations of the cross with Jesus still on it. Because Jesus, that was an historical event. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews that Christ died once for all. That was an historical moment. That actually happened in a moment in time when he gave his life, his blood was shed, he was laid in a tomb. So he's not on the cross anymore. That's not how he's interceding for us. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that because he shed his blood, that his blood continually speaks for us speaks in our defense. So while he's not on the cross anymore, the blood that he shed speaks in our defense, speaks for our atonement continually. So in that way, Jesus continues to intercede for us. But that's a continuous action so that our salvation is wrapped up. It's prepaid, right? How many of you are planning not to sin for the rest of your life? I mean, that's my plan too. (laughs) How, don't ask me how it's going so far, right? Because I need to know about tomorrow's forgiveness. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. 
But I just know somehow in my weakness, my flesh will kick in somewhere. I will say something, do something, think something that is unbecoming to the Lord. And I need to know that this isn't uh, something I have to like redo all the time, but that Jesus Christ is interceding for our sins. So it's a prepaid salvation. What a provision that is. You're talking about the providence of God, giving us what we need in advance of what we need it, right? It's like a prepaid debit card, right? I mean, the difference between a debit card and a credit card is pretty big, right? A number of years ago, we took our family to Disney, and we took the whole family. There were like 90 of us. I don't know how many kids I have now anymore. I don't know, kids and grandkids. There's just way too many of them. And, uh, and so one of the things Karen did was buy everybody a, a, a meal card for the week. You know, because you go on Disney, as you may know, man, it's like, oh, I don't think we need to eat today. You look at the prices, Right? Ah, you'll be fine, kids. Eat the raisins. You'll be fine. And you look at the prices. But when you got the card, you don't care. Because you get this so many big meals and so many snacks and everything a day, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? You don't care. You just go up, yeah, I'll have a Mickey bar, whoop, right? You don't care. You have a kind of freedom that comes from knowing it's prepaid. Now, I'm not talking about a freedom to sin, beloved. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a freedom to know that with my weakness, with my failure, it's already covered. What a provision. What an example of the providence of God. That the cross of Jesus Christ is the perfect provision for the most important thing that we need, our forgiveness and restoration to relationship with God. So 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a reality. You are a living example of the righteousness of God. Just giving you the word. Do you know Christ? Yes or no, church? Then, you, then God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you, that in him, by your faith in him, you might become the righteousness of God. That's pretty cool stuff. So part of the fulfillment of God's will for our lives is for us to live in a state of perpetual forgiveness. I want you to think about how your witness for Christ in the world could be uh, increased if you could embrace that and not live with that sense of burden and guilt and, um, uh, man, if anybody knew me, if God even knew how bad I was, I wouldn't be allowed in here, you know? But, but living, living in the sense that, yes, it, despite your failures, despite your weakness, you are forgiven by the blood of Christ. If we could embrace that, how much more vibrant our witness could become. Amen, church? Yeah, come on, somebody give me an amen here. Thank you. And then verse 32 just kind of caps the whole thing off where he says, you know, if God did this for us, will he not also graciously give us all things? I want you to think about that. If God provided his only begotten son for a sacrifice for us, so what, the, what Paul's saying is if God did that, is he not going to meet all your other needs? I mean, everything else is small in comparison is he not going to provide you with the tuition that you need to go to school? Is he not going to get you the plane ticket? Is he not going to give you ideas and stamina for children's ministry? Is he not 
going to give you patience for student ministry? Is he not going to give you words for witnessing if we begin to open our mouths out in the world? He said, if he did this for you, will he not graciously give us all things? The second example of, uh, of the providence of God here is that the passage also clearly says that another part of that is that he provides for us an inseparable love. You know, he, he provides your, your prepaid forgiveness, but also an active, inseparable love that you can't peel off the love of God. Again, you look at verse uh, 34 and following, and verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And a passage that's familiar to many of us, shall persecution or famine, now remember these people are being killed for their faith, or nakedness, and nakedness didn't necessarily mean all of your clothes gone, but it was a phrase for like, you know, being, having practically nothing, or danger or sword. And he says, for I am convinced that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ, Christ Jesus. The love of God, <laughs> it's, it's inseparable. You, when, when you look at a believer, you can't really tell where the love of God leaves off and, and an authentic believer's life begins. Jesus said this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, right? By what? By love, right? He didn't say by this shall all men know you are my disciples, that you have all 66 books of the Bible memorized. It's good to memorize scripture. He didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't say anything about the list of things that we commonly associate with, now there's a rock solid believer. He said by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Where do we get that love? Well, it says in Galatians 5, it says that the fruit of the Spirit, meaning what happens when we hang out in the context of the Holy Spirit? We like to make a lot of fuss about, ooh, a lot of cool things happen. But what the Bible says, the first thing that happens is the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence that you are engaged by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, what's the first part? Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But he leads the list with love. This is the initial evidence that you're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that you have love. The whole motivation for salvation, if you look at John 3, 16, anybody get there? You get to Romans 5, 8, anybody get there? You get to 1 John chapter 5, and, and you just see that the whole motivation for God initiating salvation to us is because he loves us. God loves us. And so part of the provision of the providence of God is an endless, inseparable kind of love. Deus pronobus. Say that with me again. Deus pronobus. Looking back at our text, this is about living in the light of the cross. What shall we say in response to this? Now, nobody called me on that. Nobody said, in response to what, Tom? Remember when we read the Bible, when there's a little jab like that, we want to stop. Well, in response to the fact, if you read up, that God is calling us to salvation. What shall we say in response to the fact that some people are responding to God's call of salvation? And then to those people who respond to the call of God's salvation, he says, this is true. And so... For us as believers, if you've come to the place of knowing Christ as your Savior, 
you qualify for the full providence of God. You, you qualify to live in the light of the cross. You know, we talk, we talk sometimes in the church about living in the shadow of the cross, which I think is a wonderful image. But what about the light of the cross? What about the glorious light that the cross brings, that as we draw near to God in full assurance of faith, as the Bible says, that we just experience a profound sense of his love and a profound assurance of his provision, of his providence. What is it that you truly need today? You know, we're kind of in a, in a weird spot as a church because this is the time where we like to offer opportunity to get real kind of personal and stuff, and we just don't have that flexibility back just yet. But listen, I want to just pastor you through this as a church. What, what is it you need today to accomplish the will of God? What, what, what provision would you seek God for today? Is there, is there something you need as a believer? Is there a resource you need? Is there a, an internal blessing that you need? Is there direction that you need? You know, James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, we'll let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. So, you know, the provision can come in so many different ways. What do you need today, beloved? What do you need? Well, appeal to the providence of God. Just appeal to a God who displays himself to us in this way. Say, I will give you everything you need to accomplish my will. What do you need? What do you need to be the person you sense God is calling you to be? Just appeal to the sovereignty of God. We're going to celebrate the faithfulness of God. You know, as I said, the providence of God is a combination of God's God's sovereignty or the providence of God is a combination of God's sovereignty and his faithfulness. We're just going to, let's stand together, church, and let's, can we just sing through this great old hymn of the church and celebrate the faithfulness of God? And as you do, would you just present yourself to the Lord and, and, and say, Lord, this is what I need. This is the need that I have in living the life you've called me to live.